It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Former U.S. Senate candidate Roy Moore has won a defamation lawsuit against a Democratic-aligned super PAC over campaign ads in the 2017 U.S. Senate race. A jury awarded Moore $8.2 million in damages. The lawsuit centered around a TV commercial that recounted accusations against Moore in various news articles. Moore's attorneys argued the ad falsely claimed he solicited sex from young girls at a shopping mall. An attorney for the super PAC says they plan to appeal. All right, Sandy Rios with you this morning, and I'm telling you, this is a story that needs to be shouted from the housetops. I'm not sure it has been. This happened on August of the 12th of 2022, so just a few weeks ago, and that was a report from WHNT down in Alabama, and it is that Justice Roy Moore, after being so thoroughly defamed with the worst kinds of scurrilous accusations possible to a man of his integrity, uh, lost a Senate race twice, and we're, we're going to talk about his history uh, but sued a uh, Democratic entity and just was awarded $8.2 million. And I've asked him to join us this morning. I've known him for a long time. And we're going to talk about a lot of things. But first of all, let me just say, Judge Moore, just congratulations on that great victory. Well, thank you, Sandy. It's nice to be with you. And it was a great victory. Uh, it's very important for the people, in my opinion. Well, I do, too, because it's like a we, – we, listen – we so seldom win anything these days, especially in courts. And so I just think this, this, uh, this is a, a line in the sand that I, I was just delighted to hear the news. Now, the lawsuit you brought, it's, you know, it's crypti- crypti- dis- cryptically uh, described as a Democratic-aligned uh, super PAC. Can you tell us more about it and what your charges against them were? Well, basically, when you call a uh, super PAC, a lot of people don't understand what a super PAC is. Super PAC is not just a political action committee. It's a political action committee that can take huge sums of money from individual donors and uh, entities that, that an individual can't do when he runs for Senate. You know, when I ran for Senate, I'm not very wealthy. And, you know, I had to raise money from individuals. Well, you're restricted by the Federal Election Commission, the FEC, uh, for just a certain amount of money. I think it was like $2,700 at the time. Uh, And that's all you could raise from one individual. But a super PAC can get millions, and they do get millions. Uh, In 2020, I think the super PAC that we're talking about, the Senate Majority PAC, got over $372 million in contributions from individuals and spent about $230 on federal elections. And about $215,000 million was just on negative ads. So about 94% of their money goes to negative ads against Republicans. And, of course, this is the Senate Majority PAC, which is a democratically aligned PAC. But they have one also in the, the uh, Republican Senate, the uh, Senate 
Leadership Fund, SLF. And, you know, it basically it takes the, the vote away from people and puts it in the establishment in Washington. They keep who they want to do what they want. Yes, well, that's a story, isn't it? And we, there are a lot of things that you and I could talk about, and pr- we'll get to as many of them as possible. Yeah, I'm pretty upset about that myself, about the, our rulers in D.C., but let's go back to your case. So it is a Senate majority pack. It's the Schumer gang. It's the Democratic gang, because they don't spell that out. That's interesting. And they ran these ads that accused you of uh, much of what was going around at the time, the story, part of it, there were so many stories. They, they were so creative. They came out with stories from all kinds of people out of the woodwork. And one of them was that you were picking up underage girls at a shopping mall. And so that was the content, I believe, of the ad that you, uh, char- that you uh, won this lawsuit on about it being false and defamation. Now, they, they say that they are going to take this to another court and that they think it'll be overturned. What are your thoughts about that? Would it go to a, that would be like a, I'm assuming this is an Alabama court that uh, awarded this to you, right? It was a federal court in the Northern District of Alabama, yes, ma'am. Okay, so then it would go to a circuit court next? No, it would go to the Federal Court of Appeals in the 11th Circuit and then the United States Supreme Court. And they better be very careful when appeal because uh, they, they could get an adverse ruling in these defamation lawsuits, which would greatly help people, in my opinion, uh, because... Right now, the way defamation uh, actions go, it's really against an individual because they have to prove actual malice. In other words, the person actually meant to harm them or recklessly disregarded the truth in in doing so. And it's just very difficult to overcome in the federal courts. And so most people don't sue. And by, by the way, Sandy, once you finish an election, as most politicians of my sort know, you don't have much money left. Uh, it's all gone, and you can't really afford to hire lawyers and, and attorneys to go out and defend you in these high-class cases because they spend millions of dollars against you. And uh, it's all the system, and the system is against the people and voting and choosing their people to go to Washington. And uh, they need the representatives that they choose, not the ones that the Senate Majority Pack and other uh, super PACs choose. Yeah, that that takes me to maybe what we'll talk about in a little bit: uh, the win of Katie Britt uh, to the uh, to the nomination for the Republican candidate for Senate this time around. And let's let's come back to that. Your attorney is Julian McPhillips. So um, I don't know Julian. Has he been with you for a long time? Well, Julian was my attorney in this case. Uh, my attorney in this case was Jeff Wittenbrink out of Louisiana, and okay. it's somebody it's somebody that I knew. Julian was in another case okay. uh, in which I was sued for defamation and, and also won that. So let's talk about let's just because I want to make sure that we thoroughly cover at least uh, not a little bit better uh, what we've talked about here. The all kinds you don't you don't have to remember this, Judge Moore, but I, I have to say publicly to everyone listening, that I've known you for so many years, have spent time with you. Uh, I never, ever, ever, ever thought any of this was true. And we talked about it on the air cons- constantly. Uh, we, we played the accusations. We vetted them. We, you know, tried, you know, to uh, find out what was true. And we, I, I recall 
most of the most of them, I think that we were able to see from research and all of that that they were just plain false. And so, I as the last time you and I talked, like maybe off the cuff, I think there was an attention to maybe go after some of those testimonies. Did you ever do that? Go after some of yes. those people? Or yeah, go ahead. Well, surely I've got I've got several cases. I've been fighting for four and a half years now, nearly five, uh, and I've got several. Uh, several suits against Washington establishments, against individuals for conspiracy. And I'm still fighting in state court, and I'm still fighting in federal court. And I'll continue to fight. I, that's just part of me. Uh, they got their, their way in 2017, and I've come back, and now we've got a huge verdict against one PAC. And I've got another PAC suit in, in Washington against uh, the um, – uh, Priorities USA is sued. Uh, I've got uh, Washington Examiner has been sued. It's been dismissed lately, and we're going to have an appeal in that. So we've got several actions going, and we'll continue to go because I, I do believe that you've got to fight if you're ever going to win. Uh, they they get their money, and they use huge sums of money for big donors and win an election and think it's over, but it's not over for me. Yeah. No, absolutely not, because this was like the last straw. I mean, you fought so many battles, and I do want to go back to some of those. Um, and uh, you've lost a lot of battles, but this was striking at the core of your character and who you are as a man in Christ, uh, yeah. dedicated completely. It was just the most vile and, and really hard. I just felt for you so much because it's— when someone makes an accusation like that, that's it's more than just angering. It like cuts to the core, and people. It's amazing. I think the thing that must be as harmful as anything is how people believe and embrace these lies, and and you know go to believing it rather than doubting it. Uh, just your thoughts about that. I did. How, how many people yeah. actually stood by you through this? Well, a lot of people didn't, and of course that's God's way to identify who your real friends are. Uh, but, you know, when they make accusations, they're over 40 years old. I've been married to my wife for nearly 38 years. We have four children, five grand to six grandchildren. We just had one. And uh, we, we've been married. We've never been apart. Uh, and these accusations predate that time. They go back 40 years and make accusations. It's hard to disprove. It, it's just their word. And they get it in the paper, and it's repeated. In this case, they had 254 exhibits of newspapers that had repeated these lies. And, of course, that's strong on the jury. But in this case, this jury knew me. Uh, they knew of me, and they knew the accusations were false. And they returned a verdict for $8.2 million in just one and a half hours. Now, that's strong, but it's not about the money. Of course, the money... Uh, hasn't come yet either, and uh, may never will. But, uh, but and if it does, the IRS gets most of it. Let's put it that way. But the the wind is very important for the people of this country to understand what's going on in their election cycles. They tend to believe what's in the newspaper. They tend to believe these ads that are put out. And in this case, the Senate Majority Pack used a puppet pack. I call it, in uh, Alabama called Highway 31, which was two individuals. And these two individuals 
made it appear that this comes from the people of Alabama when it had nothing to do with Alabama. It was all out of Washington, D.C. And this is the way they work. And they work in many elections in many states to control who gets elected to the United States Senate. They want people up there that will cooperate, not one will stand for the truth. Yes, in fact, I'll make a point with that. Um, I regularly uh, call out Mitch McConnell, who I find disgusting. I've found him disgusting for a long time because of the things he does uh, to undermine really true conservatives. He wants people he can control. So he weighed in on your situation, and I just want to revisit it for a second. You were the, uh, the, the choice of the people of Alabama, and he wasn't having it. And so this was his response to this news story. This is clip four, Adam, Mitch McConnell. Is the burden on more to prove these false versus someone to prove that these are true in this situation? Or do you believe these allegations to be true? I believe the women, yes. Are you calling for him to step down from that Senate race? I did. I think he should step aside. Are you encouraging a write-in campaign with Senator Strange? That, that's an option we're looking at. Uh, whether or not there is someone who could mount a write-in campaign successfully. Would it be Senator Strange, do you think? Uh, we'll see. Yes, well, so that was uh, Mitch McConnell you know, throwing in his full support, or his at least doubt, his ambivalence about whether the reports were true. No ambivalence, he believed the women. And um, because he wanted to believe the women, I'm guessing, Justice Moore, because you were uh, not going to be, you were not going to be controllable in the Senate um, just your comments about that, about Mitch McConnell's statements. Well, Mitch McConnell represents the establishment. He is the establishment for Republicans in Washington. There's Democratic establishment as well. And establishment simply votes for their own interests. They don't vote for the interests of the people. And Mitch McConnell, uh, this, this is typical of what they do. And then the Democratic uh, lawyers who represented the Senate Majority Pact actually bring up articles where they're quoting Mitch McConnell, the Republican, who says he doesn't believe me. Well, this went along with what Senator Shelby did in Alabama, and they were upset because I had beat Senator Strange, an appointed senator who was uh, uh, just part of the establishment. Yeah, Justice Moore, the- hold on yes. to that thought. We'll reset it. it on the other side of the okay. break and uh, pick up from there and talk about it. I also want to tell people what you actually have accomplished in your life. And we'll do that when we return. My guest is Justice Roy Moore. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Back in 2000, the Judge Moore asked me to be his campaign manager, campaign chairman, and it was one of the greatest honors and remains today and always will be one of the greatest honors of my life. Um, During that time and afterwards, he asked me to be his attorney, and I was one of the attorneys that represented him in the Ten Commandments case. And as you know, there have been some other cases over the last 20 years. And um, I've traveled with Judge Moore all over the state, different states across the nation. I've been with him in probably over a hundred different meetings and been around probably in excess of 10,000 different ladies in Judge Moore's presence. And not once, not one time, have I ever seen him act even remotely inappropriate against any woman, toward any woman. Not when they were walking away, not when he and I were in private afterwards. That's the man that I know and that I've known for the last 24 years. 
That's the voice of our friends Phil Jaregi. Phil, Phil is the founder of the Judicial Action Group, but also he's a part of our staff now at AFA in this new uh, entity that we're trying to identify judges who are worthy of sitting on the Supreme Court. So uh, what Phil had to say is certainly my observation as well of Justice Moore, who has been a friend for a long time. Uh, he just won this lawsuit, eight, eight point, I think $8.2 million dollars, and a defamation suit against a, a Republic or Senate majority pack, which is de- Democratic. But we're talking about people who actually turned against him. And I was talking about before the break, uh, Mitch McConnell, who came out saying that he believed the women. He believed the women. And Justice Moore was just saying that in this lawsuit, the, uh, pr- the defense kept bringing up statements of Mitch McConnell to prove to the jury that Justice Moore actually was, you know, as feckless, or feckless is too kind a word, based on what, how they were characterizing him, that he was as wicked as they had said he was in those ads. Uh, look, Mitch McConnell believes it too. And so, uh, Justice Moore, you were just explaining why they, ha- they had so much venom, and it had to do with uh, Luther Strange, who was also uh, one of the candidates in that Senate race. Can you explain further? Yes, well, when I beat the uh, Republican establishment candidate in the primary, they went after me in the general and joined with Democrats, basically. And uh, it was an attempt, really, just to keep me out of Washington. Now, I admit that I don't follow the general course of things. I do what I believe under the Constitution and, and God's law. And uh, that's very important, by the way. A lot of people have disassociated the acknowledgement of God from our country. And without that acknowledgement, we wouldn't even have a country. And the First Amendment to the United States Constitution is something that I hold very dear. And, in fact, I'm in a suit right now in the Fifth Circuit to uphold the Establishment Clause as a matter of church uh, assembly. And that's what I do with my spare time, which I don't have much. But I'm retired from the law. I just uh, do these cases uh, uh, pro bono. So, Yeah, let me give people, because, you know, time passes and people forget these things. Uh, they probably don't even know about your incredible history. And let me just give them a little taste of what you have done, Justice Moore. You served as the 27th and the 31st Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Alabama, the first time from 2001 to 2003, and then reelected, as I recall, by an incredible percentage, I think maybe even in the 90s, uh, Twenty and served from 2013 to 2017 as Chief Justice. You were removed each time for uh, various things, and we're going to get into that, you were removed over the Ten Commandments monument, and then you were removed over the same-sex marriage issue. Before that, you went to West Point. You served as a company commander of the Military Police Corps during the Vietnam War. You went to the University of Alabama Law School. You joined the Etowa, I guess, the pronunciation, a county district attorney's office as an assistant district attorney. You went on to be a circuit court judge, um, and then you were elected as chief justice. And on and on we could go, but uh, the first time... Uh, I met you, Justice Moore, was when I was president of Concerned Women for America, and you were in the throes of the Ten Commandments fiasco. And that was when uh, people like Barry Lynn and uh, Michael Newdow, who I debated regularly on television over this, uh, wanted the Ten Commandments to be removed from all classrooms and from any federal buildings. And uh, you took a very strong stand on that. You want to just say a word about that? I know this is old ground for you, but this is new to some people. What What did you, well, What was your response to that? It's old ground for me, but it's not old ground for our country. Our, our country was founded on the acknowledgement of God, 
and it exists in the First Amendment of the United States Constitution, and separation of church and state is which most people are familiar with the term but don't know what it really means. It means there's a jurisdiction which government does not have over the church. And basically it's uh, something we're litigating right now in the Fifth Circuit. But it's very important to understand how God's law uh, gives us the freedom to believe what we want. Uh, the government can't force us to believe in God or anything else. And that's God's uh, because we believe in God, God gives that religious freedom under the first table of his law, and it's written in our history, and it's written, you know, in Jefferson's writings and Madison and so forth. But I fought that battle because it was a matter of law, not a matter of what I believe necessarily. It was, I do believe in God, and I am a Christian, but that Christian faith doesn't force other people to believe anything. It just is allowed, you know, it's a freedom that we have. So I stand for that freedom, and I fought the battle of the Ten Commandments. There's nothing in the Constitution that forbids a display of the Ten Commandments. That's simply an acknowledgment of God upon which this nation was founded. And uh, 1954, when they put under God in the pledge, they said that it was for a purpose that uh, to give the people an acknowledgment of where our morality came from and where our virtue lies. So basically, it's something I believed in and I stood for. And uh, actually, the federal district judge who ordered the Ten Commandments down said the state may not acknowledge the sovereignty of the Judeo-Christian God and attribute that God our religious freedom. That's exactly contrary to everything in the Supreme Court writings and in our history. So basically, it's something I stood for. I lost that job, and then I was reelected in uh, 20. You know, 2000. And basically, we uh, stood for the right to have uh, traditional marriage. And what yeah, so I did let's, was let's, let's Let's stop that. Just for, Let me jump in on the Ten Commandments sure. before we go to that one. Um, so the Ten Commandments battle was raging. That's how I met you. And I actually yeah. flew to M Montgomery to speak on the steps of the Supreme Court there on your behalf and on behalf of of just the, the the acknowledgement of God and that this was a ridiculous demand that these atheists were making uh, because, you know, it's like, I don't need to tell you because you spent your life quoting the Founding Fathers, but uh, so many of them over and over again said that religion and morality is the foundation of our freedoms. And if you do away right. with them, you won't have any kind of, you won't have freedoms. And so it's implicit to the understanding of our country. The other thing I want to mention is you, there were other betrayals, and I'm going to mention this on the air. It's going to be controversial because I had a front-row seat to this, and I was very angry about it, and that was that Richard Land of uh, the uh, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission and Jay Sekulow uh, both uh, did a terrible thing to you. Uh, they felt that you were wrong on the law, and so rather than just disagreeing, they actually uh, undermined you through churches and pastors and sort of, get, sort of put the... Um, the question mark over your head, which had not been there before. They were in total support of you. Pastors were in complete support of you. And suddenly enter Richard Land and Jay Sekulow saying that you were you were wrong on the law. Just wonder what your thoughts are on that after all these years. Well, it, it, this never changes. It's the same thing that uh, Jesus faced in the New Testament. Uh, people will come out against you uh, when you stand up for truth. And they will 
they will argue their positions, and you just have to stand up against them. And they're very deceptive. Uh, basically, they take the traditional uh, line, that, just like the establishment does in Washington, about our Constitution. Uh, they don't really take everything, and they just use their weight and their power to uh, dissuade other people from standing with you. And that's what happened in the Ten Commandments battle. Yes, But well, I did I think... have a lot of people stand with me, too. Well, I concur with what you just said, because uh, it's, um, this is what I've observed for so long, and that uh, conservatives in D.C., almost all of them, there are very few exceptions. They become part of the big group. They, become, right. they, they want to be accepted. They want to be part of the social scene. They're thrilled to be invited to the White House. I know all about this. I was invited to the White House. It was wonderful. Uh, but they, they don't want to lose that standing, and so they, they start shilling uh, for the so-called Republican establishment, and it's, it's just disastrous. It's been disastrous for the country. And on that second issue, the, so you go back to your uh, um, elected overwhelmingly in 2013 after this um, Ten Commandments debacle was passed. You were overwhelmingly elected again to be the Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court, and you were removed again. Now, they, you started to tell us the reason. What was the reason? Well, they said that uh, basically they didn't remove me. They suspended me for term. They didn't have enough votes to remove me, so they suspended me for the last two years of my term and said I could be chief justice in name only, and I couldn't uh, draw a salary, and I couldn't work, and I couldn't. So I had to retire, basically. They forced me to retire. But uh, it was it was about uh, I had authority over the probate judges, and before the ruling in the Burgerfell, of the United States Supreme Court, I had ordered that uh, a federal district judge in Alabama, in the Southern District, did not have authority over the probate judges and could not force them to do same-sex marriages. And that was overturned, of course, in the United States Supreme Court in the Sixth Circuit. And But before that, a case came out of Alabama, which the Supreme Court, my Supreme Court, upheld traditional marriage and issued injunctions. And so when Obergefell came out, it uh, forced our court to have to either stand behind their ruling or give up that ruling. And the court decided not to rule at all, and I opposed the court. I reentered the case, uh, and I you know, stood up and made them rule. And actually, they ruled that motions and petitions pending were dismissed and left stands injunctions. So... Basically, the, the people that were in the case uh, were confused as to what the injunctions were, and the injunctions were against same-sex marriage. So that's all I did is remind the court, that, or remind the, the probate judges that they had to uh, abide by the ruling of the Alabama Supreme Court until it was overturned by the United States Supreme Court. So basically, I used a fiction to get me out of office because I embarrassed the court. Uh, and their own rulings, they didn't stand behind. Uh, publicly, so you know it was embarrassing to fellow judges, I guess, and uh, the Judicial Inquiry Commission that basically uh, suspended me. Uh, did I do I remember correctly? This is personal, but I guess your life has been so exposed. That I can ask you a personal question. Uh, I know yeah. they took away your salary, and uh, did they also take away your pension? Did I read that? No, they. That's the one thing they didn't do. They didn't weren't able to do that because I'd served my time 
as Supreme Court Chief Justice and as circuit judge. And so I'd been judge many years, so they couldn't take away the pension. No. Well, thank God for that, because I, because that was one of the many things that just grieved me. Was They tried everything to harm you, not to take away your salary, make you step down when the people of Alabama, and I, I, I loved you. And I'm, I'm also wondering, you know, do you, um, I'm guessing that it is your hope and prayer that the winning of this lawsuit will help the people of Alabama. That's your family on this earth. You, you, you spent your life in Alabama except for your time overseas, yeah. as I understand it, that they would understand that you were lied and maligned. You, you did not, you were not a hypocrite. You were a man of God and you continue to be. You did not do those things. Uh, do you feel like you, when you go out, are, do people recognize this? Has it, has it had enough uh, cover in the news that people actually know this about you? I still have a lot of support out there, Sandy, and, and I appreciate it. And people do recognize me and they come up and speak to me. And this case has helped restore some of the reputation they tried to destroy. And I appreciate that. And uh, politically, you know, I've served in various offices and always tried to stand for what I believe. And uh, I think that's important in politics to do. And I think we're losing it in our country. You know, the people that fight the hardest um, and are the most principled are the ones that continue to get slammed. You know, I, <laughs> we know about this, uh, and it just seems in our lifetime so unfair. And it is so debilitating for people watching this happen. They get motivated. They want to help someone. Uh, and then there are these, uh, then they just get blown up, blown out of the water. And so I think what happens is, People run for the hills. They don't want to defend. They don't want to be associated with, especially Christians. They're the worst, I think. They have so little yeah. courage. They have so little courage. Well, I mean, it, it's a growing tendency in federal government. And when I ran for the, the office of United States Senate, I really hit the core in Washington, D.C., and they went after me. Uh, before they went after Trump, they went after me. They, they had a, a false flag operation. It was set up in uh, New York and uh, in other places, and they that came out a year after I lost the election. I, I finally realized what had happened. Uh, it was uh, rich donors, uh, people that keep you out of Washington, D.C. They don't want people that will tell the truth yeah. and about what's going on there. Right. Yes, uh, there was. A, we didn't even touch on that. That, that New York. I think they exposed themselves in the New York Times, that entity that that created yeah. like a false uh, conservative group in Alabama and started disseminating all that junk about you. And so, conservative yeah. voters in Alabama thought that, oh well, this is the go-to place. And look what's happening. They're saying this. It was total bait and switch. They they exposed themselves. I think they kind of bragged about it later. It's been yeah, a, a fiasco, and so that's what makes this victory so sweet. When we come back, let's talk. Let's get some perspective on things, because I'd love your perspective on a lot of things that are happening in the country right now, Justice Moore. So uh, stay tuned. This is Sandy Rios with Justice Roy Moore. We'll be back right after this. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at sandy at AFR.net. That's sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
first made national headlines back in the early 2000s when he installed this giant statue of the Ten Commandments in the rotunda of the Alabama State Supreme Courthouse. I have acknowledged God is the moral foundation of our law. Thank you, Lord. It's my duty. A decision that ran afoul of a series of federal courts. We've allowed the acknowledgement of God to be taken from us because three lawyers walked into this building and are offended at looking at God's word. That's right. Nightline followed the issue for years. After the case went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, the monument was finally removed and Justice Moore was ultimately fired. Moore later was re-elected to the state Supreme Court, but he defied the federal courts again on the issue of same-sex marriage. He views homosexuality as sinful. It is immoral. It is defined by the law as detestable. It was against the law in most states until the Supreme Court in Lawrence v. Texas said that it wasn't. So on C-SPAN 2 of all places, that led to this spirited debate. Where, understand in the, where in the Constitution do you find any support for your position that you can outlaw <clears throat> certain kinds of sexual activity which you don't approve of? I find no support in the Constitution whatsoever to authorize sodomy in our law. Yeah, so that's how bad it got. And I did my share of debating. I remember being on Phil Donahue's show with Michael Newdow and Barry Lynn sitting in between them and the audience jeering me. It was just interesting. Uh, it was such a hostile time. It was the issue of the day. It was the issue de jour. And they whipped up the American people, lots of them, to believe that the Ten Commandments just did not belong <laughs> anywhere. Even though right. it was in the Supreme Court, like behind the justices, uh, that wasn't taken away for some reason. But uh, Justice Moore is our guest. He's just won an $8.2 million lawsuit against the people that uh, the, the Democratic PAC that ran the ads defaming him during the um, Senate election of 2017. Justice Moore, you know, you've always been a fighter. It's, uh, and I think that's we've made that clear. That was a nightline, sneering nightline report on you from a long time ago. Um, in fact, I remember this. I, I just want to remember, you won't remember this, but I sure do. Uh, we had hard times way back, like even in 2001, there were terrible things happening in this country, including this fight. And um, on the marriage issue, that was the one thing that I just poured my heart and soul in, was to stop gay marriage. Uh, most of my time at CWA, most of my energy, my prayers, my efforts uh, went into that. But uh, it, was a it was a terrible battle, and there was a lot of prices that had to be paid for that, for those of us that fought. Um, and I remember one day I was actually in the gym and you called me, not that you know this, I was in the gym and we had a discussion about something because we were in the middle of something. And this is what you said to me, Sandy, 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 there's no reason to be discouraged. Evil is only getting more bold because the devil knows he's running out of time. That means his time is short. This is actually good. That's what you said to me, Justice Moore, and I'll never forget it. So my question to you is, do you still have hope for this country? Do you still have hope? Yes, I do. I, I think that, you know, it's got a foundation in the Constitution and the Declaration, which recognizes that uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator. With certain unalienable rights, among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In other words, our rights come from God, and government's only role is to secure those rights. We're the only country that was really founded upon the laws of nature and of nature's God. And it's very special. It's written in our law in the United States Code. It's in our Supreme Court decisions. It's in, it's in the law. It's in everything that we have. So, you know, 
the uh, under God and the pledge, and God we trust uh, is our national motto. Uh, we've got to go back, and as long as we do rest in God, there is hope. There's hope for people to come around to understand that their rights and liberties come from God, and government's role is to secure those for us. Uh, I still have hope because I know God's in control. God never loses, and no matter what happens to our country, uh, God will still be there. And basically, I think that we can't say that he's given up on America. America may try to give up on God, but God hasn't given up on us yet. During the break, you and I talked about the people of Alabama loved you. Uh, they That's why their overwhelming support, when they realized what had happened to you over the Ten Commandments monument, they elected you for the second time to uh, to be the head of the Supreme Court in Alabama, Chief Justice. Yeah. So that's, my that's question very is, yeah. yes. And so my question to you is, uh, I think I asked you this on the air, but I can't remember, and I don't think I gave you a chance to answer it fully. Uh, do you think that the word has gotten out? And how are the people of Alabama, your your fam, your earthly family, broader than your just the the more bunch, um, but your Alabama family? How how are they responding to you now? Well, I, you know, I do get a lot of response and. Uh, the, the stories are still out there, but there's so much support out there as well. And I think that uh, the jury in this case actually uh, came back in an hour and a half uh, after a huge arguments and, like I said, 254 exhibits that they entered in. And in an hour and a half, they came back with a solid verdict because they knew it was a lie. They knew that the, these things never happened. They were fiction, and they saw the witnesses, and they... They heard the evidence, and they came back very positively. So I'm very proud of the people of Alabama that were on the jury uh, for standing up against this huge conglomerate out of Washington, D.C. They have huge amounts of money, and they fight you very hard in court. So we're still fighting, and we will be fighting, and, and, and hoping that the people of Alabama will still uh, understand more and more what happened. Okay, another personal question. When you would speak at various events, I brought you into Chicago to speak at an organization I was running there, and I heard you speak there, and in Wisconsin, we traveled around a bit. I remember your bodyguard was, wait, say something about your bodyguard. Is he still there with you? Uh, he's, work, he's working in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. He's still working in security, and uh, it's Leonard Holyfield, and he's been a very good friend, and and actually testified in this trial. Um, he was called up and he testified about how he traveled around and with me all over the country, speaking of God and uh, country. So, yes, he's still a good friend, and he trained all my, my boys in karate uh, when they were very young, and, and he is uh, an extremely fine individual. Wasn't he the brother to Evander Holyfield? I'm talking about things I know nothing about. I think... Evander... <laughs> Yeah, I think he, he he told me he was a cousin of Vander, although his, his, uh, they, they spelled their name differently, uh, one with a Y and one with an I, but yeah. uh, he said he was a cousin, yes. Yeah. So back to what you were doing. You were traveling around the country, and in your speeches and your appearances, and by the way, you've written several books. I should have even mentioned that. Great books. Um, you talk about the Founding Fathers, uh, the, the intention of the Constitution, uh, and you talked about faith in God. You've blended it all. You just It was a great 
professorial lecture on the foundings of this country. Um, and your faith, your personal faith, is not just head knowledge, it's, it's a personal faith. So my question is this, how in the world has all of this affected your faith in God? How has it affected your faith? Well, that's a very good question, Sandy. It's not affected my faith in God. It's brought me a closer relationship and understanding that God is sovereign and he's still in control. And sometimes I think we get to thinking that we're doing something for God. We can't do anything for God. He does it through us. And he doesn't need us to accomplish his will. And sometimes his will is to suffer. And that's a very hard choice because when I ran for Senate, I, I ran to do God's will. And when I lost, I thought, well, that was God's will. But the suffering I didn't understand till later that sometimes the highest calling is to suffer for the will of God. Uh, it says in Second Peter, it says, Wherefore, let them suffer according to the will of God, commit the keeping of their soul to him, and well-doing as unto faithful creator. So basically, as in the case of Christ, it was his purpose to suffer. Uh, we don't understand that today, but uh, throughout history, men have done that. Martin Luther did. Uh, you know, we, we've got to understand that God's will is accomplished, and he certainly has favored America in the past, and I hope he will do so again. Yeah. And I also find that um, the American way of thinking, the Christian American way of thinking, has become, through the decades, maybe through, through the, the incredible blessings that God has given us, we have gone off on a tangent that's just not true. And that is that in keeping with our faith in Christ comes, comes always blessing and protection and good fortune, and good jobs, and, you know, you never run afoul, you never get fired, you never get fined, you never get arrested, and actually the opposite is true, especially now. Right. I've never had so many felon friends in my life. I've got some of my best yeah. friends have been arrested and charged, and done, you know, and even right now, I think of those guys in the jail in D.C., oh gosh, I can't stand that. The people that I know yeah. the most are the ones that have stood hard. They have stood firm for what's right, and they've been paying a big price. Isn't that interesting? Well, if we get away from God, we get closer to tyranny, and that's that's a, something that people don't understand. Tyrants are are just merely people that take away things that they have no right to take, and uh, it's different from usurping a power of somebody else. When you're a tyrant, you take rights that only God can give and take away. So basically we just get closer to tyranny when we get further away from God. Yes, right. So that's why I say the good people are the ones that are being arrested, raids in the early morning. Uh, so don't be surprised. I'm, I'm talking to my audience. Uh, if you're standing for truth right now, there's going to be a downside. You're, there's going to be punishment in varying degrees, and it's going to get worse. So I just uh, it's time to steal yourself I always say you need to exercise your faith muscles because they're going to need a lot of exercise for what's coming up next. I want to ask you about your sweet wife, Kayla. Uh, every time I would see videos of you guys or news clips, I would see Kayla next to you, and, and, uh, and I would also hear her defending you. Um, just your thoughts about your wife after all that the two of you have been through together. Well, it's very important to have uh, a helpmate, uh, somebody that's part of you, and she went through literal hell. 
she was threatened. Her life was threatened for staying with me. I mean, that's how bad it got. And uh, she uh, she's always stood with me, and she became stronger, and she gave me strength. So, you know, it's very important to have somebody that that will stand with you because they, they attack. They want to uh, have her. They would have had her desert me, and that would have been the ultimate accomplishment. Uh, but she didn't, and she stood with me, and she's a wonderful woman, very strong in her faith. So yeah. uh, I can't say enough good things about her. I think there's a few verses about that in the Bible, about the refiner's fire and the gold that survives, the, the dross that's that right. goes away. Yeah, so I think that's what happens when we go through the fire. I've certainly been through the fire in other ways, and I, this is what God does. He just brings you forth, and then you just kind of get tougher. You just get tougher after you recover. And you kind of, right. then, then things bounce off. Things that used to devastate you <laughs> just start bouncing off because in the light of eternity and who God really is. You know, I think one of the things is, Justice Moore, we, we often have, we've just made God too small. And oh, yeah. we don't, you know, we make him so small that we, our faith wavers and we get fearful. And we have nothing to fear. We have nothing That's to fear. Right. It's uh um, uh, he's a, his awesome, awesome God and uh, completely sovereign. And our biggest failure in Christianity is think that he needs us. He doesn't need us. Yeah. And uh, uh, he loved us enough to send his son to, that we may have, live eternity with him um, and die for our sins. So I think that uh, our failure to recognize the sovereignty of God is a big failure in Christianity. Life. I do, yeah, I do too. So we're going to acknowledge it right now. We just did. Hey, and one last thing, because that's the last music. That just a very quick answer, if you could. What's next for you? What's next? Well, I'm, I'm fighting uh, this case. Hopefully, it goes to the United States Supreme Court about uh, church sovereignty. Uh, you know that the federal government has no right to close churches. It's pandemic during yes. time else. Yes. So we're fighting that and. Um, just hoping that our Constitution survives this world order trying yes. to take it away. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, I'm I'm so glad you're back. You are in the fight. I'm not sure you ever left it, but you're, you're healing now. And I'm so grateful yeah. to God for that. And I'm grateful for this vindication of you and your, your very good name. Justice Roy Moore, my guest. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.